Thank you for joining us for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays, and this is a very special text-driven Tuesday, because I'm joined by the one and only Philip Thalman. What's up, man? Hey, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, um, this is going to be an interesting one. It's not a Monday morning. No. It is a Monday evening. Uh, Jay is on vacation. And so we're going to try to, uh, to do this without him. Yeah, this could go really well or really bad. Uh huh. It could be yeah. really long or really short. You know, this just—it's going to be exciting to see how this plays out. And so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, we could do all of this and then uh, not be able to upload it. Uh, who knows? Is I mean, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh man, it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I think this will be a good test run for us as well as we've talked about starting our own awful movie review. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, our own movie review show and. If this turns out bad, we'll know that it's destined that we should do that too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, all right. Well, uh, this is Text Driven Tuesday, so we are going to be talking about uh, the sermon from Sunday. Uh, I preached through um, the next section of Hebrews chapter 12, so we'll talk about that. Um, but first, we wanted to talk a little bit about... Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah, you started your <clears throat> you started your sermon with Pilgrim's Progress as an introduction, mm-hmm. and read a pretty good chunk of the <laughs> chunk of the book there. But... I had I had several people come up and say that was a that was a pretty long intro. Uh, yeah, and my response was I'm trying to aim towards Albert Muller <laughs> links. Well, what which which uh, which together for the gospel was it that uh, he did like? Oh man, a forty minute intro. I want to say it was that one in 2012 that we went to. Was it the first? It was the first. Was that one the we first went? one we went yeah. to? Yeah. Okay. Because I was like, dude, this. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was fantastic. I thought this is a, a great sermon, and then he said that was my intro, <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember thinking, what? <laughs> you can do that if you're Al Mohler, yes. but you can't do that if you're no, guys, no. You know? I- I think my intro was only like ten minutes long. It was it was just a long excerpt. It was a long but, excerpt. Yes, it was. But a, the problem with it is it was a great section of of the story. And where do you stop? Right. You know. So. And I did. I I yeah. cut out. I cut out a little bit of it. Yeah. Um. But I I I did this for two reasons. So the first reason is that the section that I read was. Pil- uh, it was Christian and hopeful. They've crossed the the river of death, right. and they're being escorted up to the celestial city, and they're met by two shining ones, yeah. angels, right? And they actually quote from the passage that I preached on. Yeah. Um. So I was like, this this is just perfect. Yeah. This is a perfect intro. Uh. But the second one was a little tongue in cheek, <laughs> for an, anybody that um that knows that keeps up with some of the stuff that's on social media. Um, I was, I was doing it kind of in protest. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Russell Moore, he's one of our heroes of the faith. Oh, (laughs) Uh, Russell Moore. He, uh, he has his own show, his own, I don't know. Is it a podcast? Video, video podcast thing. Whatever. Yeah. 
Um, and he was uh, he was interviewing um, uh, Karen. Karen Swallow Pryor, right? And they were talking about Bunyan and uh, about Pilgrim's Progress, and they said some things that people took offense at. So I thought I'd we're used to offending people on our podcast, so I thought I'd play this uh, this clip of Russell Moore and uh, KSP talking about uh, Pilgrim's Progress, and then we'll talk about it. All right, all right, all right. Let's uh, let's watch this video. I don't like John Bunyan. <laughs> That's uh, a great way I, to begin. I, I, I like the, I like the person of John Bunyan. I like the life of John Bunyan, but Pilgrim's Progress leaves me cold and uh grace abounding to the chief of sinners even more so and i i think because i've seen so many people who started reading some puritan literature from that time period who became so morose and um and so introspective and and believing there's no way they could really be a christian uh, and, and all of the tests that they were giving to themselves, then they would test whether or not they had the objectivity to go through the tests, you know, all of that. that. That Puritan era, I think, brought some things that just really uh, creep me out. But you, you talk about in the book just how significant uh, Pilgrim's Progress uh, really was in terms of shaping uh, shaping everything around us, which I don't think I'd ever thought about before. I mean, I knew it was uh, at one point the most popular uh, book other than the Bible, but I didn't really think about how the story actually changed the way we see things. I'm going to be completely honest here. I mean, I, the Pilgrim's Progress is kind of a drag to read. I mean, as you know, even teaching it, my you know, my students love to hate it, and I love to teach it to try to you know hate it with them and help them see it. And I'm so glad actually that I came to it as a student of literature before, you know, more than a, a Christian. I mean, I was a Christian, but I, I approached it as literature. All right. I, so there, there you go. Um, come on, man. You've got Russell Moore. He says, uh, Pilgrim's Progress leaves him cold. It's kind of a Is drag. This, yeah. It's kind of a drag, George. Uh, go, back oh. to, go back to the screen, Larry. Is that a Billy Graham that, bobblehead? That is a Billy Graham back there. I've seen his office. For, he's got quite a few different. I was distra- I was distracted by his uh, by his office. Like you here's know, here's Billy Graham, right? We right we here. really we really can't rag on him about that because every testimony <laughs> video we have at our church, there's a little George Mays bobblehead. I know, I know. I I, I I enjoy that a little too much. <laughs> I'm. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Every time we have a baptism, we show a video uh, before before the baptism, and uh, uh, of the person yeah. being interviewed, and uh, it's it's be, they're being interviewed in in this room, right? And uh, just like right behind, yeah, yeah. right behind there, you, yeah, there he uh, is. a little bobblehead George uh, always makes an appearance in these baptism That's videos, right. and uh, <laughs> I, I'm always amused by it. I don't know if other people are, but I like to think. I'm, I play a small part in these <laughs> <laughs> these baptism videos. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. Um, so Russell yeah. Morey says that the the Pilgrim's Progress leaves him feeling cold. Yeah. Um, and then grace abounding to the chief of sinners even more so. That's that's yeah. Bunyan's autobiography of his conversion. 
Um, and then uh, Karen uh, Pryor, she is an English professor. Yeah. And so she's she teaches this literature. And then she said that she her her students love to hate it. It's a little bit it's a bit of a drag. She they love to hate it and she loves to uh hate it along with them. Did you see her uh did you see her Twitter response to, to yeah, that vi- to this I did video? Not. I did uh, not. She's she's defending herself. She's saying, I've taught this for you know decades. It's influential. She's got like a like an old copy of it and uh people are taking this heavily edited video out of context and uh she's saying in in her in her twitter response she's saying the exact opposite of what she said in the video she doesn't address the fact that she said her students love to hate it and she loves to hate it along with like that wasn't edited no no i mean maybe a, a there could be more con- I mean she is, he is interviewing her about her writing how influential the yeah. Pilgrim's progress is. Yeah. Right. So, well, I mean we don't have to we don't oh, have to man. critique her on that, but uh, so here's my thoughts and I'll, I'll get your thoughts. You don't have to like the Pilgrim's progress. Like it's not a sin to right. not like I mean it it be like, you know, it's it's not a sin if you don't like the Lion the Witch and the Wardrobe. That's not a sin. It's just the way that it's like this condescending way in which they talk about it that really bothers me. And I think it bothered a lot of people. It's not so much that they don't like it. It's that it's Russell Moore saying it leaves him feeling cold. <laughs> and it's so weird. It's such a weird take. It, it is difficult to read at times. Oh, it, yeah. I mean, it is. It is. It was written in the 1600s. It, it, it's not a, an easy read. Um, but to come away feeling cold it's it's just it's just a weird take um because i i read i i read the the ending where i got my my intro but i read a good chunk of the the ending last week while i was studying i don't know how i don't know how it leaves you feeling cold yeah you know i can understand especially with the older first time i tried reading it through i didn't make it through because i had an Mm. older copy and i didn't understand half of it yeah so i just i just quit and then my dad, um, a few years later, my dad gave me a copy with kind of updated English, uh-huh. and it had footnotes in it as well. And that yes. was a huge help to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that second time through, as I read it, I fell in love with it because as I'm reading it, what I what I see is not just this this adventure allegory. I see a reflection. I'm like, I'm living this. Mm. Like I, I've been to the dungeon of despair. I know what that's like. I, yeah. I know I know what it's like to be at the foot of the cross and have the burden fall off. Mm. And so. Um, and so I would encourage anybody that if you um, have tried reading Pilgrim's Progress and maybe you were like me and just couldn't make it through, find find an updated version. Um, I, I brought mine with me. I got this one from Crossway a few years ago. Um, it's been updated for the language and it's been outstanding. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, by John Bunyan. By John Bunyan. <laughs> Who edited that? Uh, let's see. Um, C.J. Lovick. And it's got some illustrations in it as well. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a great, I, great copy. I would just say that um, Julia reads books to the kids in the mornings, and she read The Pilgrim's Progress to them. And she read it in not updated language, but yeah. just kind of the original. And yeah, you have to stop a little bit and explain what some words mean, but they loved it. Yeah. So it's not impossible. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's not impossible. There are many books that we read that are older than Pilgrim's Progress yeah. that people don't have a problem with. So, <laughs> but again, it, it you know, if you come away and you're like, ah, I didn't really like it, that's okay. I mean, it's not, yeah, yeah. It's not a sin. But it, it just rubbed people the wrong way when they were just kind of having a good time they, they bashing rag, it. They were ragging on this great <laughs> book. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. All right. Well, that was my uh, that was my intro because we're talking about the celestial city. We're talking about the celestial city. Um, so yeah. we're still we're still in this warning passage. Uh huh. Yeah. What seems to be the longest of the warning passages? Yeah, uh, it depends on how you look at it. Okay. Um, the second warning passage it, it spans across chapters three and four, so it's pretty long. Um, but this one seems to be the longest. And again, it, it just depends on how you you measure it because some people don't even start the warning passage until verse 25. So I I start it, I start it back up in verse 12 well, and I'm, it goes through the rest of the chapter. I, I think that's I think that's how we should look at it. Uh, the, the way it starts is um, Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. And and he talks about uh, how Esau uh, desired to inherit the blessing, but he he sold it, and it, he couldn't he couldn't get it back. That that seems like it's part of the warning man, passage. If, if that's not a warning, I don't know what is. Yeah, man, repent because the time might not be there later on. Right. And so, yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, now, I'm so grateful to be in a church that does expository preaching book mm. by book just walking through these books of the Bible because I'm hearing things that having grown up in churches where that's not necessarily the case, I'm hearing things preached I've never heard before. Mm. Like I've heard passages in Hebrews preached before, kind of like I'd heard um, passages in John preached here and there, but I'd never heard the whole book. And then hearing the whole book and seeing it all in the context was so beneficial for me. Yeah. Now, coming back to Hebrews, um, I'm thinking about how beneficial it's been for me to hear these warning passages, and you've done a great job just reiterating how God uses means mm-hmm. uh, to save his people, and the warnings are means to to keep us. And as, I, as I'm thinking about this, it really does, it makes me so sad for churches that don't preach through books of the Bible, and I think I'm answering my own question here. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, why, why don't more churches preach the warnings? Mm. Right. Well, I, I think that that's part of it. I think part of it is um, they're not preaching through books of the Bible. What happens when you don't preach through books of the Bible is that you end up preaching your your topics. Like, what yeah. do you what do you want to preach? Well, a lot of people don't want to preach about uh, Esau selling his birthright and he can't, when he wants to inherit the blessing, he, he can't because he could find no place for repentance, even though he sought it with tears. Like that's just probably not one that you're going to, unless you're like Spurgeon. I mean, Spurgeon, I, I don't know why he didn't preach through books of the Bible, but he didn't, yeah. but he would, he'd hit on stuff like this, you know, he's, <laughs> he would jump around, but he wouldn't. There he's was, the exception, there, not the he's rule. He's the exception, <laughs> not the rule. I, I haven't, uh, I haven't really heard people that are topical yeah. preach these really difficult passages. That's not to say that they wouldn't, but it's going to be less likely just because you're all over the place, yeah. right? Um, I, th- I think people may may just not know what to do with them. And that's that's understandable. Um, 
it's they're hard. They're, oh, yeah. <laughs> they're difficult passages. And especially if you're coming at it as um, uh, someone that believes in the security of the believer, mm. they're hard. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I when I first preached the, the very first warning passage, I had several people contact me. I don't understand this. I like yeah. I I it it sounds like you're saying that Christians can lose their salvation and and I was I had many conversations with people because yeah. they hadn't they hadn't heard it before and and so it was it was new and they they didn't really know how to take it because we I think we do we understand that God uses means no no reformed person is going to say that uh, the elect will be saved without someone preaching the gospel to them like they God uses the means of his right. word to accomplish salvation. That's right. Uh, same with prayer. Um, we're, we're called to pray. Why? Well, God uses means. Right? Um, you, see it, you see it in Acts uh, when Paul is in uh, Corinth. Uh, Jesus comes to him in a dream and says, don't be afraid. Uh, I have many people here. Uh, so he stays and preaches. Yeah. Why? Because there's, there's, God has people here, yeah. and Paul needs to go preach so that they'll come. <laughs> All right. Uh, he says the same thing in um, is it first or second Timothy. I, I suffer all things for the sake of the elect, mm. so that they might be saved. Yeah. Like he he recognizes that it's through means that God accomplishes His purposes, even though He knows that God's people will come. Yes. Right? Uh, same thing with the warning passages. They're just they're just harder because we're we're really strong on uh once saved always saved i mean we we grew up oh yeah we grew up here in that right um uh no one can snatch you out of out of jesus's hands um you you will not fall away yeah right you you will be kept till the end but we don't so we're we're strong on that and that's good that that's that's true yeah. Uh, but then when we get to places like this where it's it sounds like well if you if you don't if you don't persevere you you'll be lost. Yeah. And we're like I don't, I don't know what to do with that. I mean the the warning <laughs> passages they all, they do make you sweat. Yeah. If you if you're really thinking about what it's saying it you will examine yourself mm -hmm. and look at it more and more and praise right. the Lord for these warning passages because they're means and God is using them to help keep his people yeah and so thank thank you for doing all the hard study and um well, I, hope, I, hope, I hope there'll it's, be an encouragement because it, well, they're, they're warnings but they're also encouragement oh, because yeah. we know that for god's people the warnings will have their effect that's right like it's still not up to us he, god has given us the warnings yeah and by the power of his spirit, he's going to cause that to be effective in their life, and they are going to persevere. So we can be encouraged yes. even as we see these warnings. And this one, especially in the middle of this warning passage, is meant for our encouragement and a warning. Yeah. And the warning really is, don't be stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> like here's here's where you've come. Don't you want to don't you want to make it all the way? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you go back? Uh, and he's going to keep going uh, in the passage we'll see next week um, as he finishes. Yeah. It. And it's it's like, don't be stupid. You've you've come to something better than than the physical. And so we'll so we'll look at that.
That's good. So we've got uh, we got this passage. Yeah. Um, it's just contrast yeah. between two mountains. So uh, we'll pull up the uh, pull up the passage on the screen. And uh, do you want to read it? You sure. Want me to read it? But, I mean, it, um, I, this is a weird this I is could, a weird text driven Tuesday because I, I can um, listen to you read the phone book, man. <laughs> do they still make those? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> we just dated ourselves. That's a that's a weird example. <laughs> Do you want me to read it? Sure. Okay. All right. Well, we're we're in Hebrews chapter twelve. So if you have a Bible, you can you can open it and follow along. We're going to be looking at verses eighteen through twenty four. Again, this is in the middle of the warning passage. It began it began uh, in verse twelve, goes to the end of the chapter. So we need to understand this as part of the warning passage. Right. Um, but at the same time, even even as it's part of the warning, it also is meant for our encouragement, and it it gives us a goal. This is a goal towards yeah. which we're uh, we're we're going, and so um, hopefully it does that. All right, okay. So uh, verses eighteen through twenty four. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest. And the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearer beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. That's good stuff, man. I I, I mean, I didn't write it. (laughs) (laughs) It is good stuff. It is good stuff. (laughs) So so you began... um, after reading this, you you jumped right into um, verse. You jumped right into verse twenty-two, and kind of pointed out something that I I love this statement you made, and then you kind of elaborated on it, talking about our union with Christ, mm-hmm. and you said that where Jesus is, His people must come. Yeah, I love that, and and so we're pointing out. Uh, you point out that this is. You you kind of jumped ahead and then you went back to it later on, but just pointing this present reality. I I I've been doing that in this warning passage. I'm I'm like it seems like the 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 main point is like in the middle of these passages. So I've got to go to that and then I've got to jump back and, and get us back oriented to the passage. But yeah, I mean, it, so you've got uh Christian and hopeful yeah. they're they're going up to the celestial city and all these angels are coming out and all the you know all these departed saints are coming out and they're welcoming them and celebrating they come up to the city and they go in and and um they they finally arrived right but what this passage points out that not to you know not to disparage uh Bunyan um but the passage says that you have come right. to Mount Zion. <laughs> you, it, it's already something that has occurred. That's right. Um, now we need to unpack that because we're obviously here. Um, we're, we're obviously not, I mean, this building is not the celestial <laughs> city, right? Um, 
it, it was funny you mentioned about you're obviously in these comfortable <laughs> pews and right around the time you said that a couple pews in front of me there was a loud pop <laughs> and the family that was sitting on that pew everybody around was like is it going yeah and i was very distracted for a few minutes because yeah. i was watching i was like are they gonna need to move i know and so yeah, that's that very that's... providential that you mentioned the pews and then there was this pop and so fortunately the pew lasted the sermon and <laughs> This yeah. this week, this week. <laughs> do we need to put some? Do we need to put some like, warning tape around it or something? <laughs> Would, wouldn't hurt. Wouldn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we have to we have to um, unpack this. What does this mean that you have come to this place when we're not we're not physically there? Right. It's union with Christ language. Absolutely. Now, if we're if we're not familiar with this doctrine and. Uh, I didn't grow up learning this doctrine. <laughs> this oh, wasn't no. something that was talked about at all. At least not that I I I remember. Um, it wasn't until really seminary before I I was confronted with yeah. this and and learned this. I I think it's one of the best doctrines. Oh, it, absolutely. It, it's hard to it's hard to say this is the most important doctrine. But aside from penal substitutionary atonement and, and justification by faith alone, this is probably the most important doctrine uh, that people don't think about, union with Christ. Well, well, many of the, well, even Calvin talks about, this is one of the greatest benefits the, go, the gospel offers. Absolutely. You being united, to, or uh, Christ being in you, you being engrafted mm, into Christ. Mm-hmm, it's yeah. like, what more could God give you than himself and you being one with him? It's uh, it, Paul's favorite phrase in the New Testament is, in Christ, right? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> What's it mean? And I think a lot of people are are probably just okay with. Well, he said in Christ, and I'm not. I don't really know what that means, but I'm just going to go with it. Oh man! <laughs> but it's union with Christ, and once we get it, uh, it's it's amazing. Oh, um, it, you you want um, comfort? You want security? Mm. Why is the eternal security of the believer true? Oh. Because of union with Christ, it's it's not like some disconnected doctrine. It's because of union with Christ. So what that means is that Christ is our representative. Um, He comes as a man to fulfill all righteousness in our place. So he's the last Adam. Um, So as he lives his life, he's doing it for us. But as he dies, he's dying as our representative also. Um, And when he's raised... He's also our representative, and when he's glorified, he's also our representative. Praise the Lord. <laughs> um, and so, union with Christ means that by faith we are we're we're made one with with Christ, um, and so he represents us. He's our federal head. That's that's okay. the the theological term. He's the federal head of his people, um, and so his life is our life. Yeah. Um, his death is our death. So when he died on the cross, he didn't die for his own sins, he died for our sins, so Paul can say that you died with Christ. Uh, When he rises from the dead, that's our resurrection. We we saw that in the the baptism, right? Um, The the going down into the water and coming up, why is that so important? It's because it's 
is showing this theological reality of union with Christ. Yeah. You've died with Christ. You've been raised to walk in newness of life because Christ has been raised. You've been raised also. That's that's not just a future reality. That's now you've right. been you've been raised. And his glorification, his exaltation, that's your glorification also. So as he's seated at the right hand of the Father, Paul can write in Ephesians, you have been seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That's right. Um, Colossians chapter three, one of the one of the greatest passages, I think, um, is is that um, you've died and your life is hid with Christ in God, uh, and um, that's where your life is. Why? Because that's where Jesus is. Um, the The whole argument that Paul makes in First Corinthians chapter fifteen about the resurrection, it's misunderstood that that there's these false teachers that are saying there's no resurrection. That's not what they're teaching. They're believing that Jesus rose from the dead. They're just saying no one else rises from the dead. And so Paul's whole argument is union with Christ. Yeah. If Christ has been raised, then it is impossible that his people won't be raised because where Christ is, they have to be. Um, and so and since Christ has been raised, you're going to be raised. Since Christ has been glorified, you're going to be glorified. Every All the benefits that Christ receives are yours. And that's good news is not I mean that's that's an understatement. Right. <laughs> this right. is fantastic news of, of which is even more baffling why this isn't talked about more. What this isn't yeah. much more. I but, think it is. I th I think that yeah. people do talk about it. They just don't talk about it in the language of union with Christ or mm. why. Like they'll talk about the benefits. Like why do you get to go to heaven? Because Christ is there. <laughs> because he's like a magnet. <laughs> he's pulling his people towards him. Yes. Uh, you cannot be apart from Christ. Amen. Now we have the we have the already and not yet. Right. And that and that's what we see in this passage. That's what we see in this passage. Yeah. Um, so we're not there yet. Right. But in a real sense, because Christ is there already, we have come to Mount Zion. And so the the encouragement and the warning just kind of plays. It's just like the it's two sides of the same coin. Yeah. You're encouraged to get there. Yeah. You're warned not to fall away and not get there. Um, since you've already come because of union with Christ, don't you want to physically get there? Don't you want to actually get there? Um, now we we're 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 not there yet, but we will get there. Um, either when we die or when Christ comes. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So, so, so union with Christ is—it's just massive. I mean, just whenever you see in Christ yeah. in the New Testament, it's a loaded that's what, statement. That's, what, that's what it's talking yeah. about. It's, it's talking about that. Jesus talks about it without using the language. Uh, he's not—he doesn't say union with me. Mm -hmm. But what does he mean when he says, "I'm the vine, you're the branches"? It's union with Christ. <laughs> right. It's not there, you're not separated from the vine. You you're you're in the vine, so you produce so you produce fruit. <laughs> it's union with Christ. Yeah. And so so we have this already not yet, mm -hmm. but in order to help us even grasp this even more of where we are, like we've already come to this place. Um we, we have to take a look at okay, where are we not? <laughs> right. And, and so that and that's what this passage is really doing. It's showing us mm -hmm. where we're not and where we are. Yeah. And it's uh, I thought it was um, you were very clear with it. It's like it's a clear outline. I hope you see it in the passage. Like if you're not seeing it in the passage, you aren't even you're not. Looking. <laughs> it, it's literally just laid out. Yeah. And so it's always nice whenever you're working on a sermon and it's 
it's like, laid out like that. Like, oh, it's like, it's crystal clear. I mean, it's just it. There, it's just these mirrors. It's just, right. It's just these parallels. So, so where are we not? So, um, verses eighteen through twenty-one. You have not come to the earthly Mount Sinai, and that's important because the these first century believers are being tempted to go back to the law. They're being tempted to go back to the, the ceremonies and the sacrifices of the old covenant. So he's reminding them, you haven't come to the earthly Mount Sinai, uh, but verses 22 through 24, you have come to the heavenly Mount Zion. So the, the main contrast here is basically law and gospel. Law and gospel, yeah. Sinai and Zion. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's crystal clear. Work, the works, works versus grace. Yeah. Yeah. Now there was some, um, I mean, you can just see it in the text. There are some descriptions of how he never he never says Sinai, uh-huh, right. but it's explicitly clear he's talking about Sinai here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what are some of the the characteristics that he's showing? So, as I went the through, as I went through, I I, uh, I saw that there were these. It seems like there's just these parallels. Yeah, like he's he's laying out Sinai. He's laying out Zion in similar. Um language mm-hmm. uh so the 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 three characteristics for both of these mountains so the first the first characteristic of mount sinai are the physical manifestations that accompanied the giving of the law yeah. um and this is uh you have not come to what may be touched if you use the uh, if you look at the um the esv does not name sinai it just says you haven't come to that which may be touched. Uh, if you look at like the uh, the LSB, uh-huh. I don't remember if the New American Standard has it, but they put in italics the mountain. Oh, really? <laughs> it's like interesting. Well, I, okay. I mean, I I get it. They're they're inserting it because it's implied. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I think it's I think it's important that he doesn't name it. Yeah, like it. It's it's so beneath him i guess <laughs> that he doesn't even name the name sinai yeah right uh but it it obviously is mount sinai because he he talks about you've not come to what may be touched a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them uh it, it's just the picture of exodus 19 right. when they come to mount sinai and there's uh there's this, this dark cloud that like descends on the mountain and uh, fire. It's probably light. It's probably lightning and and yeah, he, the earth. The earthquakes. You use the illustration of Mount Doom. Mount Lord Doom from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You know, I thought that was a good good visual, especially uh-huh. for for like my kids. They they would be able to get that. Uh, so, it, yeah. I mean, it sounds like a volcano, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it would be terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> You're at the foot of this mountain and it's just shaking and it looks like it's on fire and. This cloud, I mean, it looks like just the mother of all thunderstorms is, it's like a wall cloud that's descending <laughs> on top of this mountain. You're like, and somebody, we're going to die. <laughs> somebody's got to go up there and talk to that's God. That's right. And and you have you have trumpets. Yeah. Uh, I mean, probably angels. Um, and you have the voice of God that's yeah. speaking to them out of this cloud. <laughs> but it's dark. Yeah. It's dark. You watched the um, Charlton Heston Ten Commandments, oh, didn't you? Absolutely. I mean, you remember how dark it is? Yeah. That it, entire that entire movie is dark. <laughs> but they go they go to Mount Sinai yeah. and it's dark. Yeah. Right. 
It, you know, I it's been years since I've seen it, mm-hmm. but I, I never put that together, which of course I don't even remember the last time I saw it. Yeah, so right. now I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch it after <laughs> talking about this. Yeah. But yeah, there's it, it's even while you were talking about this, I couldn't help but think our our God's the same yesterday, today, forever. Mm-hmm. This is the same God. Right. And I just couldn't help but think about how we how we approach God. Mm. And how there was this this fear of God. Well, that's and, that's the that's the big comparison yeah. that we'll get to uh, in verse twenty one. It's this is not a place that they can approach. Yeah, the the, the this is terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> this, they are trembling, and the then God speaks to them. He speaks to the nation, and they say. Moses, you go talk to him. Don't let we don't want to hear his voice anymore because we're gonna die. We're gonna die because this is this is I mean, he's literally scaring us to death. Yeah. It's not it's not inviting. It's dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> and these these are the physical manifestations of this mountain. Yeah. And that and that leads into uh the next characteristic, mm-hmm. which would be the terror the terror. It's right? the terror yeah. of the law. Yeah. yeah. So it, uh, it says, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. So, again, this is not a welcoming place. They're not being invited to draw near <laughs> to God here. Yeah. They're actually being told to stay away because he's and, holy. Yeah, it's, it's for their safety yeah. that God's telling them this. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever I, uh, so many times whenever I think of holiness, I think of, uh, I think of the sun. The closer you get to the sun, mm. if you get right up next to the sun, you're dead. Right. The closer you get to it, if you're not, if you don't have the protection for it, you're not going to make it. Mm. Well, the closer you get to the holy, you get right up on it, you're dead right. as, as a sinful person. And that's exactly what we see here. If they, uh, if any person gets on the mountain, even if it's a beast, mm-hmm. you're done for. Yeah, they they have to stone them or they have yeah. to uh, to shoot them with, with an arrow. They have to. They have, they, have to sh- they have to shoot them with an arrow? Not not with a not, gun? Not with a gun. No. Right. <laughs> not pew pew? I had to give him a hard time about that one. That was really great. I appreciate you throwing that in the sermon. I've got to, I have to, um, I have to clarify for younger people because it, it says um, that no hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. And... Uh, <laughs> Oh, I like it. It's even in your notes. It's in my That's notes. Awesome. Not not shot bang bang. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's yes, it's in my notes. Yeah, but I I, I want to clarify yeah. what it means. I mean, that's good. <laughs> that is good that you clarified it. And um because yeah. we're such good friends, I need to rag on you yeah, yeah. because it's uh, yeah. it, it but again it's it's the distance, right? Right. You're not right. supposed to go up and get them because then you incur the death penalty too. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not it's not go get them and bring them back and kill them because now now everyone that goes up has to be you killed got too this, because this line of dead people yeah, right. the first guy. <laughs> you can't it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. So you ha- you have to like Who's our who's our sharpshooter? <laughs> right, uh, you got to take you got to take this guy out if he yeah. steps on the mountain, or if, or if it's an animal, it's it's got to be killed because, yeah. um, it's like holiness is contagious, mm. yeah. and holiness is good, but when it comes into contact with sinful, yeah. sinful 
creatures, fallen creatures, it kills them <laughs> because yeah. it's so holy. Right. Well, I mean, why why is Isaiah saying, What was me? I'm undone. Yeah. I'm, well, in that I'm moment, coming apart. At that moment, he's like, I'm going to die. Yeah. It's like, This is it. There was R.C. Sproul called the trauma of mm-hmm. the holy. Yeah. Um, it, it's, well, we're, we are talking about the, the terror of the law and stuff. There, there is this level of the, the holy fear mm. that's been lost in so many churches. And we, we've, I think we've at times kind of overcorrected and we've ignored. Now we've, now we've got daddy God. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> George, don't you get me started. <laughs> And so we we have to have this right view of God of who He is, and and this kind of comes back to where what we talked about last time I was here. You know, the fear of the Lord it's the beginning of worship. The fear of the Lord it's the beginning of wisdom. Mm. There there has to be the fear of the Lord, this right understanding of who God is, and and these people at the base of the mountain, they're they're being confronted with this. Right, it's terrifying. Yeah, he's. Um... He's communicating to them. This is what holiness yeah. does to sinners. <laughs> it, it it's too much. Yeah. Like you can't you can't approach. Yeah. Um. So you've you've got the the physical manifestations that are just dark and terrible and gloomy, and th- you've got the terror of the law. Right. Like here's here's the consequences for sinful men who try to draw near to a holy God. They have to die. Yeah. Um. That that's that's what this is doing, and this is what the law is communicating. The law is communicating: God is too holy for you to draw near, yeah. because you are a sinner, and um, it's it's just not a place that you're invited to draw near. Like you're you're not you're this is not welcoming. Like God's not laying out the welcome well, mat for Israel and saying, "Come on up." <laughs> And, and and that's the story that's the story we see all throughout scripture they mm. sin so god god places the the cherubim mm. outside with the flaming sword right big time you're not getting in yeah there's the curtain leading to the holy of holies it's got the cherubim on that you can't come in mm-hmm. so over and over again confronted with this holiness that because you are not holy because you are sinful you cannot be in the presence of the holy god right and so, so the people, as a result, they see all this, and they're saying, "Moses, speak for us." Yeah, you, you go. You go. Yeah, <laughs> we're terrified. We don't want to. Which leads to the third characteristic, mm-hmm. which is Moses speaks. And so it, it says that um, uh, indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses. Now Moses was the man that God actually did bring up to the mountain, and yeah. he. He actually talked to Moses face to face, which is just amazing, right? Uh, you'd think Moses, Moses freely, joyfully uh, goes up and and uh, is unafraid, but it says, "Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear.'" Mm. I, I like what the King James, uh, King James says. Uh, it says, "I exceedingly fear and quake." Mm. Like he's he's trembling. Yeah. <laughs> uncontrollable i mean have you ever have you ever been scared so bad that you're like shaking i know i've had things happen where afterwards i think i've been in a little bit of shock uh-huh yeah but like in the moment i don't know if i've got like if your kid if something stuff. happens to your kid and and you don't know exactly what like yeah, why are yeah. they why are they screaming 
um, like that that kind of fear that Le- leaves you speak oh, leaves you paralyzed, so to speak, in mm. the moment. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah, and I mean, I can't imagine being in this position that Moses is in. So this so. isn't a this isn't a direct quote from anywhere in the Old Testament. Um, but most commentators and and if you've got like a study Bible or, or cross references, will probably reference Deuteronomy nine nineteen. Uh, in that, uh, this is after the golden. This is uh, Moses recounting after the golden calf incident. He goes up on the mountain, and he says, uh, "I was afraid." There's the. That's the little part that. <laughs> Maybe a, a direct quote. Uh, I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure that the Lord bore against you so that he was ready to destroy you. So Moses is confronted with the holiness of God and with the the consequences of sin. God wants to wipe out the entire nation. His wrath is going to be poured out against these sinful people. And Moses says, I was, I was terrified. I was terrified of it. Yeah. Uh, it it's just it's just compounding the 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 physical manifestations of the mountain and the people's responses they're confronted with the the terror of the law and Moses is being confronted with the consequences of of sin and it it just all compounds and and it says this is a this is a dreadful place and the law says if you obey then you'll live if you disobey here's the, the punishment is death. And that's bad news because we all have broken the law. And so we all, we all deserve death. We, we don't deserve to come into presence of God with joy and, and gladness because he's going to kill us. Right. Um, we're, we're confronted with, the, with this dread. Um, and that's, that's a, a good use of the law to confront sinners with the fact that you haven't done this and this is the consequences. Um, you've fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, the wages of sin is death. Um, you you deserve to be put to death forever because you've sinned against God. If, if you don't have that, if you, if you don't have this understanding of the the dangerousness of sin the the offense of sin the consequences of sin then you're you're going to have this watered down gospel i mean if if sin if if it if it's not if it's not damning yeah then why is it so important that that Christ died you know why, what what, why, what am i being, so what am i being saved from exactly and and that's the problem with Especially prosperity gospels among the worst mm. that they'll they'll preach these these fluffed up sermons that are full of of love and proclaiming the grace they'll proclaim the grace of God but say from what right and but when we understand who this God is and we understand the offense of sin then the gospel mm. it, it really ignites we we see how glorious this is and yeah. what God has done through the person and work of Christ. Mm. And so seeing, so seeing where we've not come, yeah, and that's and that's the, that, oh, uh, yeah, that's what that's what's so great yeah. is is it, we talk about all the all the gloom and the and the terror and it's dark and and uh, fear fearful and and he says you haven't come to this place, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't where you've come. So it's it's like a uh, a relief. Yeah, you haven't come to this place, but 
you have come to Mount Zion. Yes. And that's the, that's the second point um, in verses 22 through 24. And the, the, the first, that first word of verse 22 is, is a really um, sharp contrast between what's come before. But you have come to this place. Yes. And whereas he didn't name Sinai, he does name Mount Zion. Yes. Right. Now, at, when he's saying Mount Zion, uh, throughout Scripture, there's it, it's used in different contexts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what's um, what what's the context here? This is just a heavenly place where all of God's people come to worship. Yeah. Like this is um, this is where God is. Yeah. Um, and it's it's heavenly. Um, it's uh, it's the city of the living God. It's the heavenly Jerusalem. Uh, Paul talks about that. Uh, he, he uses that language in Galatians. Yeah. That um, he draws the 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 contrast between um, Hagar and Sarah yeah. and Ishmael and, and Isaac. And so uh, a- Abram has two sons from two wives. Yeah. Uh, Hagar. So. So God promises to Abraham, you'll have a son. Uh, they're old. Abraham and Sarah are old, uh, and she's barren. And so in order to accomplish the promise, uh, to make it happen, right? Sarah gives uh, her maidservant Hagar to, to Abraham, and Abraham has a child with her, and it's Ishmael. And God says, that's not the child. That's, that's not the promised child. The promised child is going to be Isaac, and he's going to come through Sarah. Right. So the the contrast that that Paul makes in Galatians um, is that there's the children of the flesh, and the children of the promise. Right. And he says this can be taken allegorically. So he's going to draw a, a meaning out of the story uh, symbolically. The children of the flesh corresponds to the earthly Jerusalem and uh, Hagar is, is Mount Sinai. Yeah. It's the law. Um, it's, it's works. Uh, the, the people that are trying to be justified by works are the children of the flesh, just like Ishmael. Right. That would have been pretty shocking <laughs> for Jews of, of Paul's day. Um, and he, then he the, didn't hold back in. He did not. Man. No, he did not. Uh, and then the children of the promise who are like Isaac, they belong to uh, Sarah, who corresponds to the heavenly Jerusalem. The heavenly Jerusalem. She is our mother, so we belong to this heavenly Jerusalem. So he's he's saying the same thing as uh, the author of Hebrews is saying, which is the same author. Well, I, <laughs> even after you pointed that out, I got to just be nitpicky, and I was like, well, he named Sinai in the Galatians passage. He didn't name Sinai here, and so. <laughs> so, take it for whatever it's worth. There, uh, I do want to yeah. point out <laughs> there. There was something you you showed in verse twenty two. The phrase that you have come. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought that was very interesting. Uh, that phrase have come. Mm. Um, so it's the Greek word for proselyte. It's it's a word. I mean, it's not a it's it's not a special word. I mean, it's all over the place in the New Testament. It, it's it's it, so we don't want to make too big a deal out of it. I because just it's an interesting, interesting point. It, 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 so it's it's um, it's yes, it's where we get our word for proselyte. Yeah, but 
don't make too big a deal out of that yeah. wherever it says, you know, <laughs> yeah. they've come to some place. Oh, they were converted. That's <laughs> Uh, context is key. George. Context is key. Yes. Uh, but how how have you come to yeah. to Mount Zion? Yeah. It's not through works, right? It's through conversion. Yeah. Um, it's it's because you're a proselyte. Um, so it it's a it's a very minor point to a to the word. But it, yes, thought, it, it it is where we get our word proselyte. I, I just I really like that in the the contrast of well what we're seeing in this passage of law and gospel. Mm. This right. is how we've come to this this better mountain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you you haven't come because you've kept the law. Yeah, that that's not the entrance right. into the the heavenly city. Uh, even in Pilgrim's Progress, I mean, how do you get into the city? I I had the I I kept that part out of the what I read because it was already too long and <laughs> like people would be like, well, I have no idea what's going on here. Like, how do they get into the city? Well, yeah, you have to have the. The role that's been given. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to have the parchment yeah. that, that was given to you at the very beginning when you when you go through the the wicker gate. Right. You're given a you're given this the scroll, yeah. this parchment, yeah. and you have to present that at the gate of the celestial city. They take it. They t- they take it to the king, and he says, "Why well, let them in?" Yeah. Right. Uh, because after after mm-hmm. Christian and hopeful was it come in and the gate is closed. Then he turn Bunyan turns his attention to ignorance, mm-hmm. who crosses the river. Spoiler alert! No, I know. <laughs> no one, no one, um, no one greets him on the other side. He comes up and he just expects to be let in. Yeah. And they ask him, "Where's, where's the, you know, where's your entry?" He doesn't have it. And they throw him in the hell. Yeah. Uh, because he didn't have the, the entry. Um. Yeah. It's. It's through conversion. That's right. Uh, it's it's only through the new birth. Yeah. So, so we had the characteristics of the first mountain. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it it's so amazing how we see once again more characteristics contrasting with that. Yeah. So, so what's the uh, what are we seeing with this second mountain? Well, the uh, as there were physical manifestations at Mount Sinai, there are spiritual manifestations at Zion, and um, I. I just wanted to point out the fact that we have this bad habit of of thinking of spiritual as less real. Yeah. Is do you think we attribute that that we are such visual people and just because we don't Probably and that's that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> the, the point <laughs> the point is these these believers are being tempted to leave the church and go back to the temple and the priest and the animal sacrifices, the things that you uh, yeah. an actual place that you physically go to and you can hear the sounds of, of the animals and you can see the priest doing their job of, of sacrificing the animals and you can look at everything and say, well, this has got to work. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we, we all fall into that. Yeah. We all, we all want to see how it's, how it's done. Right. Um, but we are supposed to live by faith. That's right. And faith is the assurance of things that are hoped for, the, the assurance of things that are not seen. Right? So he's drawn this, this contrast between the physical and the spiritual throughout the book, and it's not to say that the spiritual is, is less real. It's actually the opposite. He's trying to say it's more real. And so uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 10 through 12, we, we've got this psalm that talks about how the, the earth is going to be discarded like, uh, like clothes. It's all going to be rolled up. 
uh, and it's going to be gone, but you remain. Um, so all these things that you can you can touch and hear and taste and smell it's 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 going to be gone. Yeah. Uh, the the physical ceremonies um, that are being conducted by the priests they're only a shadow. Or he calls them a shadow. Yeah. <laughs> What's more real, the shadow or the sun? <laughs> it's the sun, right? Um, and so these these earthly practices are talked about like they're they're just shadows yeah and they are done away with because the real has come um the physical shadows of the the temple and the priests and the animal sacrifices they didn't accomplish forgiveness of sins um he, he goes to great lengths in chapters 9 and 10 to show that these things did not bring perfection. These right. things did not accomplish, but Christ has, because the, an, the the blood of animals taken into an earthly temple don't atone for sin, right. but Christ's blood taken into the true temple in heaven, uh, a temple not made by hands, that actually accomplishes eternal redemption for His people. Right. That's the contrast. Um, so we got to be really careful about what we're we're thinking when we when we hear spiritual. Spiritual doesn't mean not important or not real. <laughs> uh, it it's in contrast to the the things that we often think are the the solid the solid things, the things that we put our trust in. Uh, don't put your trust in the physical. Put your trust in the spiritual. Um, he's he's going to make this really clear next week. Uh, in, in verses 27 and 28, because the physical is going to be shaken and destroyed and the spiritual is going to remain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've got these these physical manifestations of, of, of uh, Sinai right. and the, uh, the spiritual manifestations of Zion. So we've got, this, it's the city of the living God. Mm-hmm. It's the heavenly Jerusalem. Uh, you've come to innumerable angels in festal gathering. Yeah, it's kind of interesting where at Sinai, he even brought it up about, you hear trumpets, mm-hmm. and there's this indication of angels being yeah. there. And so it's... Yeah, and, and, and Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter 2, Acts chapter 7, the uh, Hebrews chapter 2 um, reference angels and their role yeah. in, in giving the law at Mount Sinai. Uh, they, they have a, a presence yeah. there and a role there. And the tone's much different. Yes, yeah. yeah. So terror there, and now festal, uh, joyful. Festal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Use that word a lot. Uh, no, I do not. Actually. Uh, no. Surprisingly, surprisingly, you know what a. <laughs> sorry to say, festal guy I am, but that's yeah. just not right. Just not. Nope. Larry, don't you laugh at me? <laughs> oh, um, man. That that word festal, yeah. it's it's used in the uh, in the Septuagint. Um, dealing with Israel's festivals. Right. So Passover and, yeah. and uh, Day of Atonement and well, the, Feast of Booths and, and all of those. They're, they're, they're the festal the festal gatherings of Israel. And it's this sense of party. <laughs> yeah, it's celebration. Yeah, it's, it's joy. It's, it's celebration. Yeah. Also, it brings the sense of all of the festal assemblies of the Old Testament have found their fulfillment in Christ. Yeah. And so now the angels are in festal gathering. They've, they've come to the true feast. They've come to the true celebration. Mm, uh, the, it's, it's all been fulfilled in Jesus. 
Uh, but it, it is, it's this, uh, it's this idea of, of joy. Yeah. Uh, it's a party. Yes. Uh, I was thinking about, uh, Jesus saying that there's, there's more rejoicing in the presence mm. of the angels over one sinner repenting. It's kind of the same, the same, uh, atmosphere. Yes. Of just celebration. Uh, it's, it's a lot different than Sinai right. for sure. <laughs> Right. Uh, but you also have, you've come to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. Yes. Um, that's the, the word church. Right. It just means church. Um, but that's not, the, that's not the really great stuff. The really great stuff are the descriptions. Yes. You've come to the assembly of the firstborn. And um, that carries a lot of Old Testament weight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I couldn't spend as much time on it as I wanted to, but there's there's typological significance right. to firstborn. Um, Israel is called God's firstborn in, in Exodus chapter four. Right. Uh, God tells Pharaoh, let my firstborn son go. Uh, Jesus is the firstborn. Right. Um, David, David and the kings are called firstborn in, in Psalm 80, 89, 88 or 89. Um, but we... We have the context of Esau, yeah. Like it's it's there. Like like we we kind of block stuff off because well we looked at that last week. That doesn't have anything to do with this week. <laughs> we we on, moved man. on. Uh, but Esau was the firstborn, right? What does that mean to be the firstborn? It means you get all you you inherit a double blessing. That's right, right? Uh, Esau sold his. He uh, he despised his birthright. Well, now you've come to the assembly of the firstborn. What does that mean? It means that unlike Esau, you inherit the blessings. Yes. <laughs> You're, you now get to inherit it. Yeah. And it's not just one. It's not just one. It's the assembly of the firstborn. So again, union with Christ's language. Mm -hmm. Christ is the firstborn. He inherits. We're in him. We get the inheritance also. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, and that's, I mean, that's just really great news. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that, that that leads into the next characteristic that you pointed out, that um, moving into the glory of mm. the gospel. Yeah. Like the, and, and that word glory, I like that you use that word to describe it. It, mm. it is this, it just, uh, well, it's, it's, like the, it's the, it's the terror of the law and the glory of the gospel, yeah. right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And so seeing the contrast here is just, it's wonderful mm -hmm. that God has written his word in this way to help us be able to comprehend this. Right, right. So you've got God, you've come to, so you're continuing, you, you have come to this. Uh, you've come to God, the judge of all. Right. And that carries with it some of Sinai. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking... Well, how do we know that the terror of the law is not going to mm. carry over into Zion? I mean, God is still judge, and it's true. You, you mentioned that God's the same. Right. He doesn't change. So the God of Sinai is the same God of Zion. Um, but how? so how is Zion better? How can we be sure that God, the judge of all, won't, won't give the terror of the law to us mm. again? Uh, and it's because of what? What comes next? Yeah. So God is the judge of all. Um, this is um, this is, I think, um, maybe 
a throwback to Genesis chapter 18, where, um, where Abraham. Abraham says, will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Um, so he's the judge. Will he do what's right? Well, we've got, you've come to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Um, what is that? <laughs> what is going on here? The spirits of the righteous made perfect. Um, because we've already been introduced to the assembly of the firstborn, right. uh, whose names were enrolled in heaven. Now we've got the the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Are they the same? Um, yes and no. So yes, the assembly consists of all the saints of all time, living and dead. Right. Uh, but the spirits of the righteous made perfect, I think, is um, clarified when we remember the end of chapter eleven. So okay. we go back to we go back to Hebrews chapter eleven, and uh, we've got the you know the faith hall of fame. Mm. We've got the list of all these uh, these Old Testament saints, and uh, we read in verses thirty nine and forty, uh, all these though commended through their faith did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Mm. Uh, so the Old Testament saints, they did not receive the promises then, right? Um, they were not made perfect. They were looking forward by faith to the coming of the Messiah and to the the, the promises coming true in him. Um, now we've come to this place where the spirits of the righteous have been made perfect. Yeah. It's the Old Testament saints. Yeah. Um, they, they've been made perfect. Because Christ has come, all all of the all of the promises have come true in Him, and so now they're on Mount Zion also. <laughs> they're yes. in the heavenly Jerusalem also, because the God of all has done what is right, mm. and and He's justified them. He's vindicated their faith. They they were believing on Christ. They were looking forward by faith to Christ, um, and Christ has come, and so now they've been vindicated. They've been made perfect. Um, and that, that, that idea of being made perfect throughout Hebrews means to they they've been brought near to God yes uh, because of Christ yeah. right. um, so we we see already that God the judge is doing what's right and it doesn't mean the terror of the law it means the gospel's being vindicated here yes. like they're looking forward to the gospel and the gospel has come and now they've been made perfect Yes, um, and and then the the guarantee that we have at Mount Zion that it's better than Sinai is we've come to Jesus, the so, mediator of a new covenant. When you when you got to this this point, the, this characteristic showing that well Moses spoke, and Jesus speaks mm. as you as you elaborated on this, what Jesus' blood says, and and you you pointed through you walked through this comparing Jesus' blood to the blood of Abel. It really was hard for me not to yell. <laughs> not even kidding. There, so I, I hope that, you going Pentecostal on me, man. There, you know, you yell whenever you see a home run or mm -hmm. you see a great slam dunk. Why can't you yell whenever there's a great point being made? In a it's just go for it. I don't want to freak you out though. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah. So you stand there's that. Yes. There, yeah. There's moments I want to. <laughs> so our worship team, we we joke about. We love Bob Coughlin. Uh, worship leader Bob Coughlin. Uh -huh. If you've ever seen Bob Coughlin play piano, there's times whenever he'll sing and he will throw up his hands like this. Uh -huh. We call that Cofflining. Cofflining. Yeah. Okay. And we joke about every once in a while, you know, during the worship service when we really feel moved, we might just mm. 
We might have to Coughlin. <laughs> well, it's kind of one of those moments, man, as you're, as you're pointing out what the blood of Jesus is saying, what the yeah. blood of Jesus says. How can you not just be filled with this joy and just praise be to God? Yes. <laughs> Coughlin, your well, heart ta- away here. Well, we talked about why people don't, uh, don't preach the warning passages. Why do you think that we don't uh, get excited when we're hearing this stuff? What, I mean, what do you think is keeping us, well, what's I, holding us back? Well, I, I don't know if not get excited is the right way. Why are we not more expressive? Why aren't we more expressive? Yes. See, and that's yeah. even something I'm working through in my own heart about being more physically expressive in worship. I've been Southern Baptist. I was Southern Baptist since I was a fetus. Uh-huh. Like, And so you don't raise your hands for anything. Yeah. <laughs> And so it, that's, a, that's something to vote that, in a business meeting. That's the one thing, you know, you, <laughs> you go to a conference and the most you raise your hands is like right here. It's like uh-huh. holding the TV. And, <laughs> but we, there is something about hearing this good news of yeah. what Jesus blood has said. We haven't even got, we haven't even talked about it. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> Just talking about what it is. But it should cause the believer to just be so filled with joy. Mm-hmm. And I just felt myself just worshiping as I was hearing this. Yeah. And and as we hear the word preached, it, it is an act of worship. Right. But I feel like there's moments where it just gets even more elevated. Mm. It, just that sense of, of adoration to God as yeah. we hear his word. And so... Um, uh, all right, let's. Well, if you just if if some Sunday you just get up and just take off around the <laughs> around the sanctuary, I'll know why. <laughs> keep flag station now in the corners. And... <laughs> oh man, but, yeah. <laughs> but this is one of those things. Hearing yeah. this, so we're in a warning passage. But man, I walked away just so encouraged by the gospel. Hearing this, mm. and so uh, let's let's talk about it. What um, so he says that we've come, we've come to Jesus, uh-huh. meteor of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Mm-hmm. So, so what is he saying? Is he saying? And I, I had people come up uh, and tell me that they, they really had, they'd read this before, but they really didn't understand it. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't know what it was talking about until until yesterday. So, um, hopefully, that was the case for. Uh, most, if not all, of uh, of our people yesterday, they, so they understand it. A better. lot of us getting up and running getting up and running around. Yeah, should, so it should have just been. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Shame on Missed all of you. opportunity here. <laughs> Next week, <laughs> it's going to be a madhouse where we preach the gospel. <laughs> it just takes one. It, it takes a. It takes a ringleader. So. <laughs> um, let's look at Genesis chapter four. Yeah. Um, because if we don't if we don't get Genesis chapter four, we're not going to understand what's going on here. We'll we'll just kind of be slaves to uh, our own imagination. But I think that um, looking at Genesis chapter four, we we get it. I think it's really it's really clear for us. Um, so Genesis chapter four, you've got Cain and Abel. Uh, they both bring a sacrifice. Right. Uh, Cain's is rejected. Abel's is accepted. And there's a lot of um, guesses as to why uh we're told in hebrews and in first john that the reason why is that abel had faith uh he was righteous and cain was wicked (laughs) he didn't have faith (laughs) i mean what else do we need that that's the reason uh abel presented his offering with faith uh cain did not uh so listen listen to this uh genesis chapter 4 beginning in verse 8 cain spoke to abel his brother and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, 
where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. All right, so there you go. You've, you've got Cain kills Abel. Um, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 says that uh, through faith, though he's dead, he still speaks. Um, he, there it's talking about he's testifying to the life of faith. Here, his blood is crying out uh, against his brother, right? And so look at look at Yahweh's response to uh, to Abel's blood crying out from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Um, it's it's the curse over again. Um, you can compare it with Genesis chapter three and, and what happens to, to Adam there and what happens to Cain. He's the ground is cursed right. and he's sent away uh, and he's sent away to the East. Anytime they go to the East, it's, it's just a reminder of, of what happens. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're leaving the garden. Um, so here's here's Abel's blood crying out, uh, and Yahweh curses Cain. Now, if we go back to uh, if we go back to Hebrews chapter twelve, now I think that we understand it better. Yeah. Right? Um, Cain or Abel's blood spilled onto the ground. It's crying from the ground for vengeance. Yeah. It's, it's crying out for vengeance, um, and and Cain is cursed. Well, there's better blood yes. crying out. Jesus's blood crying out from heaven. So you've got like the contrasts between yes. the blood crying out from the earth and the blood crying out from Mount Zion and his blood it's crying out for mercy. Yes. And it's crying out it's crying out for forgiveness. Right. Um so uh you've got uh and this isn't this isn't just me. This is like everyone I saw. <laughs> every <laughs> every, com comforting. every commentary I read uh said the same thing. Uh Leon Morris he said uh, Jesus's blood opens a way into the holiest for people. Abel's blood sought to shut out the wicked man. Like, look what happens to Cain. He's cast away. Um, what happens to those who uh, come to Christ, who, who are washed by the blood of Christ? They're welcomed in. Right? They're welcomed. In, you've, you've come to Mount Zion because of the, the blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Uh, Dennis Johnson said um it abel's blood abel's blood cries uh it, that its cry was for avenging justice but jesus's blood intercedes for mercy and forgiveness that's good there, there's the that that's what it means um it means that abel's blood cried out for vengeance um we've got moses's voice cries out in terror jesus's blood cries out for grace and mercy to to sinners it's good yes. stuff. That's good. <laughs> yes. Start coughing over here. Man. Uh, the, and, and all of this put together, this is where you've come. Yes. This is where you've come. And, and look, look at the the uh, the contrast between the distance, yeah. the the separation, how Israel is is pushed back from the holiness of God, and then what do we have in uh, in in Mount Zion, the the assembly of the firstborn whose names are enrolled in heaven. They belong there. Yes. <laughs> their, their citizenship is there. Um, there. There's no distance. Now, instead of distance, there's, there's closeness. Yes. Um, and it all happens because of Jesus. 
That's right. right. Uh, and, and so the, the whole point of this is an encouragement. Keep going. Yes. Don't you want to get here? <laughs> uh, Bunyan says, uh, as, as he sees Christian and Hopeful um, go into the city as the, the gates are closing, he says, I wished myself among them. I, I, re- like he, he, I like, read that earlier like, you today. See, you can see yeah. like the door, the gates closing. He's like, I want to be there. Yes. Um, why wouldn't you want to be there? Yes. Like, <laughs> as you read about Mount Zion, why wouldn't you want to be there? So don't give up. It, this is he's he's saying that this is the city that's at the end of the race. Yes. You cross the finish line and you you go into the gates of the city, um, and all of the all of the not yet becomes it becomes yes yes because yes and amen it becomes the fulfillment it, it becomes that this is we're here we've arrived um this city that we we've come to through by faith in christ um it's going to come down out of heaven <laughs> and it's going to it's going to come to earth uh this city is going to come to earth and and we'll be in it so Keep going, keep going, so you you get there. And then the flip side is the warning: if you give up, you you forfeit yeah. the city. Um, so what? Don't go back. Yeah. Like the contrast between Sinai and Zion is so that you say, well, which one do you would you prefer? Do you want the darkness and the gloom and the terror and the and and the trembling Moses, or you want to come to to the party and <laughs> you want to come to joy and and to to the the forgiveness, the grace of the gospel and and uh, and to Christ, the the whose blood is is pleading for sinners. Uh, which which one which one do you prefer? Right and um, the so don't don't go back. Don't go back to the. The temple and the priest and the the animal sacrifices because we've come to something better, infinitely better, um, and this welcome and uh, this this would have been great encouragement for these these believers because they're being ostracized. Yeah, um, they they are are being publicly maligned. Uh, their property is being confiscated. Um, they some of them are being thrown in the prison. You can imagine that family is is casting them out. Friends are casting them out. They've been cast out of the synagogue. Uh, just culturally, they're 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 outcast. Yeah. And what he's telling them is, you've got a better place. <laughs> you've got a better place to worship than these synagogues that you've been cast out of. You've got a family here that is. Yeah. Better than the family that that's disowning you, uh, you've got a better city and and a better inheritance than what you lost here. So keep going, keep going and get there because it's it's waiting for you. So so don't don't stop, don't go back uh, because you'll lose this if you go back. Um, keep keep running, keep running because Jesus is there and and you want to get to Jesus. Amen. Man, thank you so much for for preaching this passage. Uh, I know I said it earlier, but I'll say it again. Hearing hearing expository preaching and hearing this passage is such a great encouragement to me, and I, I hope that it's been, uh, well, just from talking to others mm. uh, that we're listening to, I know that's been encouraged to many others in our church, and so right. thank you for preaching through the book of Hebrews. It's, yeah. Uh, I need I need the warning passages. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, that. I know before listening to the book of Hebrews, hearing the word warning always terrified me. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's just natural, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it's, if you go to, so... I mean, if you go to, I, I've never been to the, to the Grand Canyon. No. Um, but 
I know that there's 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 <laughs> yeah. warnings for right? good reason. Uh, I mean, if you look at that warning, you, like do you start shaking? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you start sweating profusely because <laughs> like these warnings aren't meant to. Uh, they're not meant to terrify us. Right. They're meant to warn us. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, I you know I I uh, I cleaned my uh, I unclogged my my bathroom sink today That's with fun. some strong strong cleaner that, that had warnings on the back like this will kill you <laughs> if you eat it yeah, you, uh i didn't i didn't like throw it away <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I didn't i didn't start sweating profusely I, okay that's that's a good warning. I but, won't, I'm not going to eat this. <laughs> but sa- sadly, that's how some people treat warning passages. Uh, yeah, yeah, just we won't deal with those. And yeah, thank it's, you, thank it's, you for dealing with them. That's meant for you to oh, be man. encouraged. Yes, like the the guarantee that you're going to make it is that God has given you these warnings, yeah. and and by the Spirit you're going to listen and you're going to make it. So a Christian, a Christian's first response to the warning shouldn't be, "Well, that's not for me," because what are you going to do? Not not obey the warning? Like, if that's your response, then you probably aren't a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> a Christian should look at the warning passages and be like, "I'm doing this, and I'm going to keep doing this." Right? Uh, you know, chapter two says, um, "You know, pay much closer attention to what you've heard, lest you drift away." Well, what's the Christian going to do? Are they going to examine the warning and be like, well, that, that's obviously not for me because I'm not going to drift away, so I'm not going to pay attention. <laughs> I, I, I mean, if you really stop and think, the warning passages should be things that Christians are already doing. Yes. <laughs> you should already be doing those things. Like, oh, this bleach says if I drink it, I'll die. Well, I wasn't going to drink it, so I, you know, I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep not drinking it. <laughs> Like the gospel is believe and obey. The Christians should say, I'm going to, I'm, I'm striving by the power of the spirit to do this and I'll keep doing this by the grace of God. I'll keep doing this. Uh, So the warning passages really shouldn't be as controversial as they are because I I think they're controversial because antinomianism has become Mm. such a plague in the church. And there's, there's Christians that act like, the, it, it part of it is the once saved always saved just kind of the cliche way in which we say it yeah. like it's true we once saved we will always be saved but you've got you know false creek you've seen you've seen yeah. how false creek has has damaged youth groups across oklahoma right you go and they they give a a, a sermon <laughs> right <laughs> that's like yeah. devoid of the gospel it's probably more stories than anything else. Yep. Um, and then you've got an invitation to something, <laughs> like, right. like ask Jesus into your heart or, or surrender to Jesus or whatever. Um, they dim the lights. They play the... Very emotion-driven. Emotion-driven music. People come down. They make decisions. You've Every year, they, they, uh, they announce how many decisions they had. And then they lament that the churches have gotten smaller and that we don't have as many baptisms. And it's like, where's the thousands of decisions? Where's the thousands of converts? But they still will encourage these people. Well, if you ever doubt this, you go back to that. Just date. Go back to the de- the time and place, and just know that once saved, always saved. 
And that's antinomianism. <laughs> that's antinomianism. And so the, that's why the warning passages are so controversial is because these professing Christians who've never actually been converted say that Jesus is their savior, but they don't want to obey him as Lord. Right. Uh, and the warning passages do not allow for that. Right. Christ is not your savior if he's not also your Lord. If he's not your king, um, then he hasn't actually saved you because he saved you to follow him. That's right. That's right. <laughs> if you're not bending the knee to Jesus, then you haven't actually come to him. Um, but the warning passages for, for a Christian, the, the Christian should look at them and say, I want to do this. Yeah. Um, I'm striving to do this, and I'm, I want to keep doing this. And um, the, this passage in particular just reminds us of what we're doing it for. <laughs> we're doing it so we can get to the city. Oh, man. It, tremendous encouragement. And so thanks again. All right. All right. Well, I guess we'll, uh, we will shut this down. We, we land in this plane. We're we, laying in the plane. We're, we we're shutting it down. And hopefully we can get this uploaded. We'll see how. We'll so see how if we can't get it uploaded or if by, you know, some uh, terrible accident, uh, I deleted or something. <laughs> no one will ever see this conversation. <laughs> but it's been edifying to have you here, Philip. Well, and I hope joy, I man. hope that it will be uh, I hope it will be an encouragement to uh, to those who listen. So, all right. Well, uh, we are shutting it down. Uh, and thank you for uh, thanks for being here. Oh, it's thanks my for being joy. here, Larry. Thanks for uh, everything that you do, and uh, thank you for uh, for joining us today. I hope that this has been an encouragement to you. I hope it's been informative. Uh, I hope that you'll go back and uh, and reread the warning passages and uh, be reminded of of what we're called to do and the promises that God has given to us that uh, He will accomplish His purposes for all of His people. This, uh, as always, we hope that this will be uh, helping you to be conformed to Christ. So, if it has been an encouragement to you, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share, and we will see you next time. Bye.